So for din- dinner, we did have the Dover sole, and then we also both had the Osobuco. Osobuco. Yeah, we split an Osobuco. No, oh, that's we right. both oh, had right, an right. Osobuco. Oh, gosh, yeah, we both ordered Osobuco. Yeah, we were, it was a little excessive. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then, which main dining did you go to? <laughs> um, and then we went to Animator's Palette after that. So yes, I actually had the Chateaubriand brought over from um, Lumiere's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome back everybody this week's episode of the dcl duo podcast and have to start as i always do by welcoming the on-air talent my lovely co-host sam welcome to the show sam hello brian how are you doing this morning (laughs) that's not uh, you know i know you're trying new signature lines that's not gonna work so we gotta figure we gotta figure out a line for you something like i don't know are you having smooth sailings today oh that's terrible (laughs) it is awful it's awful Hey, before we dive in with our guests this evening, I've got kind of an exciting announcement on the show. I, I don't know if this is surprising for Sam or not. But anyway, we had, a, I think, a listener and or a Patreon a long time ago suggest that, hey, we should have like a way for people to call in and leave us messages that we can use in the show. And so I have taken the step of setting something up. So if you are interested in being a part of the show, if you want to ask us a question, leave us a comment. We're actually also toying around with maybe doing something again at a listener suggestions on the lines of a DCL confession show. Uh, we, were, we were talking about <laughs> well, we were talking about how great the f- new flatware is looking for the wish, and we were joking around about you know what we have around our house that might mm, may or may not no, have no, come no. off of a D- Disney ship. And so we'll on air confessions. I'm pleading the fifth. <laughs> the on air confession show. So anyway, if you want to interact with us, if you want to call in, leave us a message, and then we will play those on the air, maybe answer questions or or speak to listener comments. We've got a Google Voice number set up that you can call. The number is 402, because I couldn't I could not get anything anywhere in the world except Nebraska, apparently, <laughs> for a phone number. So <laughs> this is a Nebraska number for a couple that lives near Seattle, but it's 402-413-5590. 402-413-5590. Call, leave us a message. I'll go through the messages occasionally. You may not do it every week, but we'll go through and we'll we'll grab comments, respond to them, do Q and A's, and maybe some other fun things. So now you have a way to call. And don't in. ask us if our refrigerator is running, and then tell us you better go catch it. Ah, uh, very funny. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, with that, we are excited to welcome a couple of guests on the show who uh, wrote in and have an amazing experience to chat with us about. So much to unpack about their vacation. But let me start by welcoming Adrian and Emily to the show. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're super excited to talk to you. You guys have a a really, I'll say, interesting vacation that you just got back from without giving any spoilers. Yeah, it's always pretty interesting with this crew. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll, like I said, we'll unpack that, but we got to start where we always start with what is your background with Disney Cruise Line and the Disney Parks. And so, Adrian, you want to start with kind of your background with with Disney Cruising and the park? Sure. So Disney Cruise Line, uh, Emily and I went 10 years ago on the Wonder for a six-day cruise to Mexico at a long beach. So that was the only cruise I had ever been on up to that time. I get very seasick where I turn colors and people remark on it. So I had not done it before. I had not done it since. I survived the last one and took us a while to, to get back on the horse, so to speak. For the parks, I grew up in Orlando, so I had been to the parks a lot. And we are a Disney family. So we go frequently. We have annual passes. We go more than we should. Yes. <laughs> um, 
I actually grew up in Southern California. So I grew up with always having a Disneyland pass. We'd go to Disneyland all the time, but my family loved Disney World. And uh, my parents are DVC members. And we would go probably about once a year as I was growing up and would also go to Disney World, even though obviously we also frequented Disneyland. Um, and then when we met in Southern California, we both had annual passes at the time. So that, I mean, we'd go on dates to Disneyland. So anyway, we just have, for a long time have loved Disney. Um, my parents also, my mom loves, loves Disney cruises. I don't even, I don't even know how many she's been on. And we went, so I think I went on my first one. I don't know. It was either when only the magic was out or maybe the magic and wonder. It was very new. I was an older teenager at the time. And then went on another one with them. I basically went on three with my family before we got married. And then we took that one when we had two kids two years ago. And in the meantime, or 10 years ago, sorry. And then we've added more children and (laughs) made it a little (laughs) more difficult to consider cruising, but we were really excited to get to do this trip. We just did. That's awesome. So you have really, Emily, you have a real bi-coastal Disney history, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And then actually Adrian moved to Southern California in high school. So you also then have had some there, but not as much as world. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You guys really. Yeah. So you just got back from a vacation that involved a cruise on the magic, some time at Walt Disney World and a cruise on the dream, which in and of itself would be a fascinating topic. But you also did that. The two of you plus four kids of pretty varying ages. So tons, tons to talk about here. Was this your first cruise with all six of you? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think once we had, well, even when we had our third kid, that obviously limits our uh, stateroom <laughs> choices. And then when we had four kids with six of us, that was when it was like, all right, we'd really have to consider this and look at it. So um, yes, yeah, so this is the first one we did. I think Adrian, I don't, I actually was thinking about this and I don't even remember how this got started, but you were somehow you started looking at the DCL website, saw that there was some good potential ones that we could take. So our kids knew about the one, the cruise out of Port Canaveral. And we were going to do that at the end of a Disney World vacation that we had already planned. They were super excited because we had always kind of told them, I don't know, guys, they don't have rooms for six. It would be pretty tricky for us. And um, so they were super excited about that. And then Adrian, kind of had this idea. Yeah. So like I mentioned, we had annual passes. So we go, you know, two, three, four times a year to the parks at Disney World. And we had a regular, another regularly for us scheduled trip in May. And we decided, hey, let's go on this cruise. So we asked the girls if they'd be interested. We started to look into it. We started to dig into a ton of information, listen to your blog, find the unofficial guide. And we figured out, okay, let's go on this cruise on the dream on the back end. And then about six years ago, we had surprised our girls with a Disney World trip. They came to pick me up for lunch and we ended up going to the airport and going to Disney World for a week. And they've always remarked how fun that was. And they wish we could surprise them again. So then I got the harebrained idea of trying to find a cruise to tack onto the front end of that trip, which was the cruise on the magic out of Miami. You're talking to the king of harebrained ideas, uh, if you ask my wife. So uh, <laughs> no idea is too harebrained for this duo. <laughs> well, I guess maybe let me start with like, why Miami? Did you did you just want to give that a shot? Was there something like so because you could have done two cruises out of Port Canaveral. And so I'm wondering what drew your attention to Miami? We, we always book our flights as one ways to give us more flexibility. And for the last while, we've booked a lot of Southwest, too. So we had a lot of miles and just, uh, you know, a lot of opportunity to fly on Southwest. And I had looked originally to change our dates to fly into Port Canaveral and then to do another Port Canaveral cruise. 
But for some reason, there were some very inexpensive flights going into Miami. And there was also a a pretty good cruise deal that we were able to get out of Miami as well. So that was why we then thought, okay, let's see if we can pivot things around and fly into Miami. And then when we're done with that cruise, drive up to Orlando and then um, figure out how to wrap it all up. So that was why we decided to do Miami. And I was also excited because we, then we would get to go on the two different styles of ships as well. And originally when we had first, or a couple months ago, and we had started talking about going on a cruise, we had looked at the magic out of Galveston, right? I think, I think that was part of it. I, I don't know. The kids and I had watched a bunch of YouTube videos and they were super excited about the aqua dunk. Then when there was a possibility of going on the magic, I thought, oh gosh, they'd be so excited to get to <laughs> have both experiences. Um, yeah. That was part of it. Nice, nice. And so let's let's talk for a minute about who went on the trip. So it was the two of you and you've got four kids. Can you give them give us their ages so folks can understand the range that uh, you're traveling with? Yes, we have four girls. The oldest is 13 and then 11, 9, and 5. She actually turned 5 just before we went. So there was kind of some trickiness that we had to work out. We had to make sure she was getting vaccinated right before because we were kind of in that time schedule. Um, So she got to actually go get her first COVID shot on her birthday (laughs) because because we were really cutting it to where because it had to be the two doses three weeks apart and then another two weeks before it was considered fully vaccinated. And for the um, Port Canaveral cruise on the Dream, we really had like a, a two-day window where if there was any any kind of mix-up there, then she wouldn't have been able to go. Um, actually, when we were on the Magic, she was not. She was five, but because it had been so close to her birthday, she was not considered fully vaccinated, and so she still. Um, I think that may, I don't know when they're changing it, but um, she did still have to wear a mask in the kids club and all of that. And we had to get her tested, you know, yes. the, the 72 the three hours days or three days before. before. Yeah. Right. Right. So we had to experience two different protocols um, because she happened to have a birthday. So just for our listeners, if you have a, uh, someone who's turning five and it's within, you're cruising within five weeks of their fifth birthday in, you know, either before or after, you are not required to have them be fully vaccinated. But basically, then you're dealing with the under five rules, which is the three days to 24 hours in advance. You have to have them tested at your cost ahead of time, and then they'll be tested at port again. So Versus if they are outside of that five-week window, meaning they've turned five and then there's more than five weeks before the start of your cruise, uh, then you've got to have them fully vaccinated just like every other over five-year-old in your party. Well, so what's also interesting here is you've got kids that span the age of ocean years to, what is it? Edge, right? Yeah, Not quite vibe, edge. Yeah. Uh, Did your 13-year-old choose to stay... Because I think she gets an election, right? She can stay with her siblings in Ocean Years or she can head over to Edge. Uh, the 11-year-old did. The 13-year-old did need to go to Edge. And I think we were told, at least on the phone, that we could have opted her into Vibe, that 13-year-olds can go. But since she also had a sibling who wanted to go to Edge, and really it was Edge would have been the better fit for her anyway. So the 13 and 11-year-old went to Edge and then the 9- and 5-year-olds went to the Ocean Year Club and Lab. That seems like a good call. A 13-year-old is a little young for Vibe because there are a lot of, you know, 16 and 17-year-olds there. And so, you know, if they had maybe an older sibling, it would be, I would say, yeah, that makes more, you know, it might make more sense. But I think you guys made the right call there in, in sticking with Edge. Did she enjoy it? 
or did they all enjoy it? Yeah. Oh yeah. She loved it. They all loved it. Actually, there was one night at dinner, even they were like, can we just go back to edge? You know, they were definitely, um, definitely enjoying it. So she really liked that. I just asked them before, what were your favorite things? And the first thing she said was edge. She's the oldest, especially. I mean, she, she loves crafts. I think her favorite thing there, she came home with a lot of crafts and projects that she did, but that was totally her jam. Um, the other one played, I think some Nintendo switch and, <laughs> and enjoyed the pirate <laughs> trivia with, you know, they did boys versus girls and like that's, I mean, she's still talking about it. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm curious. Let's back up for one second. Is this a you're in Texas? So was this a drive to Miami or was this a fly uh, to Florida? We did fly. We have um, we have driven it, especially it's a long drive. It's a long drive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we have we yeah. Long long stories. But yes, we have chosen to drive it. um, But this time, no, we were flying. And so did you fly into Miami or did you fly? And like, I'm curious about this process of you got to get to Miami, then eventually Orlando. Uh, you know, for your <laughs> second cruise, Port Canaveral. So did you fly into Miami and out of Orlando or did you fly to Orlando and drive down? How'd you, how'd you get to Miami? We basically did an open job. So yeah, we did fly from Austin to Miami and then we rented a car, um, stayed at a, a, a hotel the night before and then left the rental car at the terminal, which the Miami terminal is far inferior to Port Canaveral if anyone has the option. <laughs> and then we drove up to Orlando and flew out of Orlando and dropped the car off there. What, I'm curious. So you rented the car in Miami and then left at the terminal. I've done that before, too, in Port Canaveral. Let me be clear about this. But did you think about just grabbing the car after the cruise or what 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 made you think to to rent it and park it? We typically always rent a car because we have so many people and usually a, a healthy number of suitcases and bags that it and would be a little bit of a challenge to find a, a, a convenient service. So typically we always just rent a car and then we'll pay for parking. Car seat too, right? I mean, so we could, it was also nice. We left the car seat in the car. We even had a suitcase, I think two suitcases that we didn't need to take with us. So it was kind of convenient having it there. Because remember, we this first cruise was a secret cruise. So then we had separate <laughs> bags we had to pack for the first cruise and the second cruise. So we needed to leave some stuff behind. That's funny. Yeah. Well, so you you just mentioned that the Miami terminal, not a shining, shining example of uh, cruise departures. Uh, so did everything go smoothly at the terminal? And then uh, this was your first time on the Magic. And so what did you think of the ship? So I had been on the Magic again. I mean, this was almost 20 years ago or actually, yeah, probably about 20 years ago. When we went as a family in 2012, it was on the Wonder um, out of Long Beach in California. And yeah, so this was the first time for anybody except for me on the Magic. And the process out of Miami was fairly smooth. It was a little more industrial than the very nice Disney-owned terminal in Port Canaveral. But it was fine other than if you are going to park a car in Miami, you have to drive to the very end of the terminal to leave your car and then take a bus back. So that does add some time on. So even though we had a very early port arrival time, there was some delay with dropping the bags off, dropping the family off, and then going to park the car and waiting to come back. And wh- where did you stay in Miami the night before the cruise? That's always a question that we get. Um, I don't know Miami well enough to even explain it, but it was it was just a it was a Marriott hotel that we had some points for. So we kind of played it with the kids where we said, "Oh, we're just staying at this hotel for one night. We wanted to use up our points, and then we're going to go to someplace closer to the beach tomorrow. We just thought it'd be you know it'll be easy. We're landing so late. We're just going to stay at this place. So it was really just a, a a quick place to stay and and play along with our ploy. All right. So who was the most skeptical of the kids? The 13 year old? Was she like, I'm not buying this. (laughs) She actually did. We were kind of shocked. I mean, 
she did, you know, afterwards, of course, she was like, yeah, some of that didn't make sense, but nobody caught on to it. I think just because, I mean, they just would have never, it would have never occurred to them. But we stayed at the <laughs> Spring Hill Suites Miami Downtown Medical Center. It was a fine hotel. It was next to a freeway, which was a little interesting, but it was a totally fine hotel with easy parking and it was a 15 minute drive to the terminal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And with your own car, it's not, it's not a big deal wherever you choose to stay because you don't have to worry about the shuttles from the airport or shuttles from the hotels and stuff like that. So yeah. Wait, but so where did the kids think you were going? Like where did, did they think you were just going to Disney World the next day, like driving down to Orlando or what did they, th- <laughs> no, that's my, my big question here is what did you tell them? <laughs> we just told them that we, we were just kind of very vague about it. And, and I actually, I, a couple days before going on Total Adrian, I was like, I am so nervous. I'm like, I just, I'm nervous. I'm going to tell them or that they're going to ask questions. I am a terrible liar. So if anybody asked me a direct question, the game would have been up. So I just kind of deflected it. Anytime they asked, I was like, Oh, I don't know. You know, daddy does the reservations. And then I realized I was kind of snapping at them. Um, and I felt bad you know, because <laughs> it was like, I just kind of was like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm too stressed. Just, just, just ask daddy. about it. <laughs> it, it wasn't my best, uh, my best moment. Stop <laughs> asking questions. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and I work in corporate America. So I am adept at answering a question that wasn't asked or providing a different answer. So so we were able to get around it that way. Oh, you were giving them corporate doublespeak. I love it. <laughs> I think Sam had the question up front, which now I'm really curious to hear, which is rooms on, let's start with the magic. You, family of six. So there is no one state room to rule them all for your family. So how did you tackle the, the rooming situation on board? So first we needed to decide if we wanted a, an ocean view or a veranda. When we went on the cruise, 10 years ago on The Wonder, we had an Ocean View stateroom and it was nice, but we always thought that a veranda would um, be uh, just a better experience. All right. So for the first cruise out of Miami, uh, we selected our rooms. Um, we booked a category 5B room um, midship and we got connecting Ocean View veranda or Ocean View staterooms with veranda. For the one out of Port Canaveral, we booked guarantee. Ocean View staterooms with Veranda and called DCL and asked them if they could put a note in there to make sure that they were connecting. We had kind of debated if we wanted to do you know, one Veranda room, but then try to find a place where there was um, a close by or across the hall interior room just to kind of make it a little bit cheaper. It kind of wound up that we weren't quite comfortable with the ages of our kids doing that. It was a lot more comfortable for us to have the adjoining rooms. And that was just nice. That was convenient. It actually wound up being really nice. I mean, it's obviously would have been nice if we could just have one room rather than doing both, but it was great. And we had, we were in one room, we had the four kids in the other one. It was convenient to have the extra bathroom space and just the extra space to move around. And we were also able to have them open the veranda partitions. So we could also have those open. So it kind of felt like a bigger veranda, or we could go back and forth between the rooms that way as well, if the doors were open. So it it wound up being really, really nice. Yeah, that that is a really nice perk. Now, on the reservation, you had to put it that each of you were in separate rooms, right? You have to you have to to Disney, they require one, I think it's adult. I don't know if it's adult or over 16 or whatever, but you have to have uh essentially an adult in each of the rooms. Yes, so we booked me with two of the kids and then Emily with two of the kids and split it up hoping that it wouldn't backfire on us and that we would get rooms where only three kids could sleep. Um, but because <laughs> we had intentions of sleeping as a two and a four. <laughs> right, right, of course. Okay, so you are, you're at Miami, you parked your car in the garage. 
tell us how was seeing the the magic, the original ship in in all our glory. I definitely this this was something I kept thinking again and again, especially while we were on the magic, is that it felt the same. Again, I don't think I'd been on the magic in 20 years. And I was amazed at how good the ships look. I, and I know that they obviously during the pandemic, they were at a dry dock for all of the ships. So I know they do that. But Disney just does such a good job of keeping everything up. I mean, it, it felt like it was still brand new was my was my feeling on it. Um, I just I thought it was beautiful. And the ships are just they're just beautiful. I don't I don't have a better <laughs> a more descriptive <laughs> word for it. <laughs> And how was how did the surprise get revealed to the kids? I'd love to hear that. So we, I think I just randomly put in a destination into the into the navigation to make sure that it would take us by the port terminal. So as we started driving, we were distracting the kids with conversation, and then at a certain point, our eleven year old saw the Disney cruise ship and said, "Oh, look at that! It's a Disney cruise!" And we just sort of played it off nonchalant. Oh yeah, look at that! That's interesting. Let's go by and see it. And then as we got closer, we're pulled up right in front of it. And it's like, hey, do you girls want to go on a cruise? And that was when they all started to shake and, and realize <laughs> that this was real. Yeah. <laughs> our, our oldest said 10 minutes later, she was like, my legs are still shaking a little. I'm just so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So I, I want to jump to the dream cruise you had for a second, just to find out with the room situation, did you get what you requested, which was the adjoining veranda rooms? Was that a successful request that we've never done the guarantee before. And so I honestly don't, just don't have any ideas to how often they can meet uh, specific requests for those kinds of rooms. It worked out and it worked out great. They gave us adjoining rooms on the veranda, um, fairly midship, pretty close to the elevator. And um, they both could have slept four. So it worked out really nicely. Awesome. And then were you able to do the same thing with the opening the veranda so that you could travel between the rooms more easily and, and enjoy that bigger veranda? We did, and it was great. Oh, awesome. Wow. Let's talk a little bit about the... Um, well, let's talk first about the magic and what were some of the highlights uh, for you. For the younger kids, I know this was their their first time cruising on Disney. And the for the older kids, it was 10 years since they had cruised on Disney. So uh, let's let's talk about what the highlights were for you guys on the magic and the highlights for them as well. I think the highlights for any of our trips is always eating. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that the truth, right? <laughs> so on the magic, we did Paulo. Um, it was on the same day, so it was a little ridiculous. But we did Paulo brunch and Paulo dinner. And then we also, of course, didn't want to miss our main dining room because it was only a three night cruise. So we also ate in the main dining room. So we went straight <laughs> from our Paulo dinner to then meet our kids at the main dining room. We had late dining um, on that one. On the dream, we had the uh, main seating, but we had the later seating. So that we could go to Paulo and then still meet our kids and eat another dinner. I think we had four or five meals that day. <laughs> yes, because we had breakfast with the kids too. That's right. We had breakfast with the kids. Then we went to brunch at Paulo. Oh my God. <laughs> that, was a little, that was a little much. <laughs> I I will give the pro tip for Apollo brunch, which is just have like a coffee and a croissant in the morning and do the brunch as like a, a late brunch, like really closer to lunchtime. If you can get, you know, an 11 or, or noon reservation, that's what we like to do. And then we just treat it as our lunch. But I try not to eat so much at breakfast because I know I'm going to stuff my face at Apollo. Yes. Well, so part of it was we have um, we all have allergies. 
And so I don't know if we want to talk a little bit about the allergy dining experience too. But yeah, since since food is a highlight for you guys, then of course, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's also been a concern. I mean, anytime we travel, we have to kind of plan ahead on the allergies. One of our daughters in particular is um, she has an anaphylactic allergy to gluten. Um, and many places now are pretty you know aware of gluten issues, but we do have to be very careful um, for her. None of us we all do better if we don't eat gluten, and then we also have three people who are allergic to eggs and especially Adrian. Adrian's more sensitive to it. And then we also have a couple of different nut things among various people in the family, and then also a daughter who can't have dairy. So between all of it, we are very complicated to find food for. Um, And Disney World has been amazing. I think people now are much more aware of how accommodating Disney World is. And the cruise, I would say overall was, I mean, fantastic with it. There was a couple things where Adrian pointed out, again, when you have kind of the combination of allergies is when it gets complicated. So like there was one place where they had a gluten-free bun, but it had egg. So then he couldn't have the bun there. So whereas usually in the parks, we've been able to find more options that will accommodate both. But I mean, to their credit, they're also on a ship in the middle of the ocean. So I understand that they just can't have the same resources that the parks can have there. Um, But in general, I would say it was great. They were so good with a lot of things. Um, And there were some differences that we noticed even between the ships there as well. That sounds really complicated. I mean, how how did it did it did you just deal with your dining staff in main dining to talk about, you know, what the allergies were? I mean, obviously, most people with a gluten allergy, it's not an anaphylactic thing, so they're going to be sick, but they're not like in danger of dying, but you've got a gluten allergy that's an anaphylactic one, and then you've got nut allergies which I imagine are also anaphylactic. So, how did they deal with that in the sense of like, who did you actually have to work with to plan meals and and all of that? And this is where Disney is really good, especially in the parks and even so on the cruise. So when I first call, you know, with the seven hour, 45 minute wait time, pro tip, call (laughs) the second that they open and then you will get in right away. Um, I had told the cast member about our allergies. So she had noted for each individual specifically what our allergies were. So for me, she had noted gluten and egg and walnut and pecan. And for our youngest, that it was gluten and cashew and pistachio. So that it would make sure be on record so that they would know the difference. Disney also has a, a special request form that you fill out online and you send in, and then that gets attached to your record as well. So we did all of that in advance. And then when we first saw our server on night one, he already had that information and he, all he had to do was verify it with us and then start placing the orders with the kitchen. That's complicated though. I mean, that's that's having the different nut allergies and then them being different from one another. I, I feel like that can make things complicated. Were things at Palo as seamless as they were in main dining? How did how did they accommodate you at Palo and how did that work? Did you go and talk to them ahead of time or or what? Palo was fantastic. I'll say that we chatted through the, the DCL Navigator app uh, with guest services to make sure that they would communicate to Palo so that they had the information. Palo then reached out to us and verified it with us before our dining and then reconfirmed it when we were there as well. And then because we uh, were having the second meal, the dinner, the same night, we requested the same server. So we already had everything taken care of and it was even more seamless at dinner. 
because he, he brought us the dinner menu as we were finishing brunch. He said, Hey, let me bring you the dinner menu and you can kind of look at it, see what things you're interested in. And so we just marked everything on the menu that we thought, Hey, sure. Check on this. And so in between he checked with the chef, verified which items they could make that would, you know, they could make little adjustments to or whatever to accommodate it. And so when we got back, he said, okay, here's the things that you can have. Um, I think there was, there was a couple things that we said, Hey, it's a long shot, but oh, gnocchi. We said, Hey, could you just ask? I mean, you know, <laughs> we knew yeah. that was going to be a no, but Hey, you know, so there was a few things, but for the most part, anything that we requested, they were able to do like the calamari, they made it grilled instead of fried. And they figured out a gluten-free chocolate souffle for Emily too. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing sponsors over at Touring Plans. We use Touring Plans Travel to book our own Disney vacations and just love, love, love our Touring Plans Travel specialist. She waits on hold when we don't have time. She monitors cruise deals for us and rebooks to get us lower rates on some of the cruise lines that actually where the prices actually do go down, <laughs> like Disney Cruise Line. Uh, so she does watch those rates for us and rebook. She steers us toward cruises we would like and room categories and gives us suggestions. And so while we have our preferences, she's always there and available to help us out. And when we plan a parks vacation, it's just gotten so complicated of late with all the new genie technology and everything. Like I, I need to rely on someone who really understands what's going on. And she absolutely helps us there as well. So we love the folks over at Touring Plans. What we love most is that the philosophy of Touring Plans aligns with the philosophy of our own podcast. We're not out to sell you a Disney vacation. We're not travel agents ourselves. And so we just like to give our honest opinions and reviews. And I think you'll find the folks over at Touring Plans will also give you their honest opinions and reviews of different sailings and ships uh, and steer you toward the thing that they think is the best for your family. So remember, you don't pay anything extra to use a travel agent, especially when booking Disney vacations. Disney pays the travel agent at the time you travel. You're leaving money on the table. If you don't use a travel agent, you're certainly leaving expertise on the table if you don't. So we highly recommend the folks over at Touring Plans. Head over there. Check them out. Touringplans.com slash travel. Let them know the DCL Duo sent you to help support the show. And with that, back to our episode. I am curious then. Let's walk through brunch and dinner really fast because you have some interesting allergies going on. And so I'm curious, like what you did have from the menu on Palo. So at, at brunch, you know, like our two favorites are the chicken parm and the lasagna. But what, what was your main for brunch? Adrian is looking at our notes while he's finding it. I will also mention that we also went to Remy on the dream because <laughs> we basically <laughs> thought we have to try everything. So anyway, so that's another one that we can get to eventually. But while we're on Palo. <laughs> for Maine, there was a red snapper that was really fabulous that I had. Was that for brunch or for dinner? That was for brunch. The snapper had a roasted fennel with it, and I love fennel, and it was fantastic. But before that, I, we had the antipasti platter, and we actually had three of them. So it was a running joke that he was going to keep bringing more on. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and if you have no no shellfish allergies, that works really well. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that was fine. So they, um, I actually can't have scallop or crab. I didn't mention that before, but shrimp is okay. Oh my goodness. And so is and so is lobster. I, I tell you, we're very complicated. I, I mean, I honestly, I feel like it's embarrassing to me almost when we sit down at a restaurant. And we're like, okay, we need to talk to the server and tell you all of this stuff because it's just a little much. But yes, but overall, I mean, that was so good. I had the um, the pizza, a friend of ours had recommended we do the, I think it's like the grape and gorgonzola one. The crust there that was gluten-free did have eggs. So Adrian couldn't have that, um, but I did and it was great. So we were fine making a little bit more of a lunch item, kind of like you were saying. That was fine for us anyway. A lot of breakfast items in general are tricky for Adrian because they're kind of egg, so many egg-based things. So, and I had already had, I think, pancakes and waffles yes. that were allergy friendly in the morning. Right. 
You already had breakfast. <laughs> what did you need? Yeah. Honestly, Adrian, you didn't miss anything. The best items at Palo Brunch are lunch type or dinner type items. You can get a, you know, good pancakes anywhere, in my opinion, and a, and a decent uh, uh, like Eggs Benedict or something like that. Just, yeah. Well, obviously you can't eat Eggs Benedict, but people can get good Eggs Benedict at their local places. You don't need to, to spend the money to get Eggs Benedict at Palo. In my personal opinion, Love Apollo. Our Eggs strong Benedict. recommendation is to skip the breakfast items and go for the Italian food you're eating at an Italian restaurant. So yeah, right, right. And dinner was amazing. We both had um, it was what kind of fish? Is it? it was a, a fish. Gosh, I can't remember. It's a white fish. Oh, was it the the Dover sole? Probably. We had so for din- dinner we did have the Dover sole, and then we also both had the Osabuco. Osabuco. Yeah, we split an Osabuco. No, oh, that's we right. Both oh, had right, right. Osabuco. oh gosh, yeah, we both ordered Osabuco. Yeah, we were. It was a little excessive. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then, which main dining did you go to? <laughs> um, and then we went to Animator's Palette after that. So, yes. So you had some truffle persets, is what you're saying? Well, I don't know. Do they make gluten free truffle persets? I wonder. No, I don't. I actually had the Chateaubriand brought over from um, Lumiere's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> at the main dining, what they do, which I, I kind of just thinking about it before, and there's some pros and cons of it. What they had us do after the first night was we would tell our server team what we wanted for everything the next day. So they would, we would look up in the app or they would have a menu for whatever our main dining was the next day. And we'd also choose our breakfast and lunch and tell them where we wanted to eat. And then they would already have that order placed. And so when we would get there, we would just say, Hey, we're, we're here. Here's our stateroom number. And there's already an allergy order placed for us. Um, so that was very convenient on those days. Just the only challenge we kind of had with it was like, that's a little bit tricky at the end of dinner to be like, okay, gosh, what do I want to eat tomorrow? You know, you lose a little bit of spontaneity, but of course that was much, I mean, then we could sort of just say, Hey, this item isn't marked as gluten-free on the menu or whatever, but is, if it's possible to, and they were able to accommodate everything that we ordered, anything that we looked at. Obviously, you know, we didn't order like the baked brie in a in a pastry shell, but anything that was a, a regular kind of entree, they were able to make changes to so that we could pretty much have what we wanted. I think the other thing that happened after Paulo was that when we ordered the night before, Adrian was thinking, oh, right, we're going to Paulo. And so he still ordered everything he thought he would want for dinner, forgetting that we had a meal right before. But I ate <laughs> You did still eat it. That was, that was, yeah, you're a champ there. So I'm curious to hear about the experience at Remy, which actually, in some ways, I would wonder if it was easier because they're dealing with so many ingredients and can make so much kind of bespoke in their smaller kitchen that I'm, I'm thinking that was a pretty good experience. But how was Remy? I'd say overall it was amazing. They had us do a combination. Our, our waiter, um, basically suggested that we just do a combination of the two menus. I think, you know, they have, there's like a, a French theme and then an American theme that were created by the different chefs. And he just said, again, they'd already gone through before because we had notified them of the allergies. So he said, well, with all of your allergens, I recommend doing a combination. So basically for your first two courses, it'll be from this menu. The next two will be from this one. Or it was things like that. He said it was kind of a combination. I thought that it was... The, was, most of the courses were from the American menu from right. the, the executive chef at Victoria and Alberts. And then the main course was brought over from the French side. Um, they, they, they did some combination. He just said, this is what I do. And we said, that sounds good. Sure. 
Yeah. And that's kind of the, I feel like the theme with Remy anyway, like it's when you go to a restaurant that is of Remy caliber, right? So, you know, you're going to a place where it's really a tasting menu. And so you kind of have to give over a little bit of control as far as what dishes you're going to get most of the time in that kind of restaurant anyway. You know, you had to do it a little bit more, it sounds like, because there's probably, they're probably just items they just can't do reasonably well when eliminating certain ingredients, right? So they, but if the, if you, as you did, let them sort of guide you, then you'll probably have the, a better experience than if you were to say, oh, give me this, but without this, this, and this, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was great. And for the most part, our items were the same. I think there was one, it was a, um, it was some kind of a mousse. I had a cauliflower I, mousse. And I yes, believe you did. I think I had that. I think it was the, like the foie gras mousse that you couldn't have because it must've had egg in it, I guess. So then you had like the ratatouille on that one. I, for the most part, they were the same. Um, we did order like a stuff. It was a beef where you could do it as an add-on. So we did that for one of them. But for the most part, it was the same and it was great. I mean, we were so full, so full. But again, that was after we had, we ate a little bit with our kids, main dining. Wait, I have to, I have to ask a question. Did I just hear that you had ratatouille in Remy? Yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like I've been waiting for, like I have been saying for so long, like they need to have ratatouille on the menu. Was it amazing? Was it really good? It was pretty good. So that's this was when they brought Emily. A, it was a macadamia nut caramel and foie gras mousse. And since that was heavy on the egg, they brought me the ratatouille, and it was really nice. My only comment on it was, you know, in the movie, he does these very thin slices of the different vegetables, and that's how it's presented. It wasn't. It was all chopped up, and it was like, if you're at Remy, you have to serve the ratatouille the same way that Remy does. Come on. I agree. I agree. If he's in the kitchen, you know, he's going to be upset. It wasn't his. It wasn't his recipe. Right. <laughs> I am just excited at the prospect that that dish was made in Remy. Like, I just that, that's possibilities abound at that point. So, anyway, <laughs> I'm also curious on this topic of food allergies. You mentioned that your daughters have some, and did they, with the allergies and the food that they were brought, did they enjoy the food experience on board as well? Yeah, I think. I mean, overall, they're they're pretty good eaters. Um, other than obviously, what's limited by food allergies. They um, eat a pretty wide variety of food. So they were pretty happy with everything. Every night there was the pasta option on the menu could always be made with gluten-free pasta. So one of our kids really liked that. Um, We generally kind of ordered, I'd say more from the adult items on the menu for them. Sometimes we would just say, you know, have them split an adult item, which is fine because honestly, I think that's the food that they would prefer anyway. Kind of a lot of the kid-friendly you know, what is kind of kid kids menu items like mac and cheese and chicken fingers are the things that are a little bit trickier to make with allergens anyway. So a lot where, you know, a meat and a vegetable, that's pretty easy to adjust. So I think they ate more of that, but they enjoyed it. However, we were also able to get totally gluten or allergy friendly, you know, general um, pizza and chicken fingers. We ate those every day on deck. So that was only on the drink. Yeah, uh, well, the chicken fingers also on the magic. Interestingly, they were different crusts for the pizza. The magic seemed to be about five years behind the parks with their allergy dining, and the dream was about two years behind. So on the magic, most of the buns and the pizza had egg in it. And the staff was, or the crew was really helpful uh, bringing out the, the bag and the recipe list so that we could read all of the ingredients. And their chicken tenders there are very similar to the chicken tenders that are in some of the locations in the parks where it's a cornbread. But on the dream, all the buns, all the pizzas were gluten and egg free. 
and the chicken tenders there were actually more similar to the chicken tenders at Backlot Express in Hollywood Studios, which is more like a traditional chicken tender batter. So let's shift gears for a second and just what what were the big highlights for you and your family on these two cruises? Because we can't we won't be able to walk through them day by day for all of our listeners out there who I'm sure are dying to hear tons of detail. But what were the big highlights? What were your some of your favorites from your cruise on the Magic and the Dream? I really enjoyed the Aquadunk on the Magic. I went on it several times. I thought it was super fun and fantastic. Is it scary? I haven't been on that one. I thought it was a little scary. <laughs> so I only went on it twice. That is kind of what I said to my and just We were switching off with kids because our youngest wasn't big enough to go on it. And so I only wound up on it twice, but I never got to the point where it was fun. <laughs> I was just a little <laughs> nervous. <laughs> I, I'm thinking I might be of that mindset, but our first opportunity to to get on that is actually going to be it cruising through the Norwegian fjords where it will not be warm. Mm, yeah. I feel like I have to try it just because I have to try it, but I'm, I'm kind of scared to be perfectly honest. Yes, it is. I don't know if you've seen videos of it, but there's basically a tube that kind of lowers over you. And then there's this moment of like, oh dear, I'm right. stuck. And then you just like drop, right? Oh. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't, well, if, if you do try it and if you're only doing it once because of the cooler, cooler air conditions, I would plug your nose. That was part of it. the first time I just had water like everywhere. And it was, I got to the end. It was like, oh gosh, I just want to get out of water. So that did help. That was, that was Adrian's tip. <laughs> All right, I will. I'll remember to plug my nose, and then I'll report back. <laughs> the, our kids. I asked our kids before what their favorite was. The youngest one said ice cream. So of course, the uh, you know unlimited soft serve on deck is a favorite for everybody. Um, they really loved the stage shows. We saw most of them that were available. So our first one on the Magic. Um, the second they did. Our first one on the Magic was actually over opening weekend for Doctor Strange. Night two was. Doctor Strange in the Walt Disney Theater. Oh, nice. But you still had Rapunzel, no? Yes, thankfully, because that was the one thing that I, that was the thing that I was like, okay, I have to see Rapunzel. It was like, you know, if, if it wound up that uh, our Apollo dinner was on the same night, I would have, I probably would have had to go change it or something because I did not want to miss Rapunzel. But um, so we did see that. And the last one, I'm like mixing up the, the names. It was Dream. Dreams. It was Dreams, right? We saw part of it, but then um, it was, we were obviously concerned about getting sick and not being able to go on our second cruise. And it, they were not requiring masks in the theater anymore. And we sat down, it was very crowded. And there were some people right next to us who were coughing. And we were like, you know what, this isn't worth it. <laughs> so we saw about 10 minutes of dreams and then left. Yeah. So we didn't get to see that whole thing, but we saw our kids saw all three of the shows on the dream. We missed beauty and the beast because we were at Remy, which I was sad about because I love the shows, but obviously Remy was Remy was worth it. Um, so our kids kind of just left, left the older two in charge and they went themselves to the theater. So I was proud of them for that little independence that they had there. And the older kids could check themselves in and out of um, Edge, right? Yes, there's not. It's not even really a technical check in or out. They just got a sticker on their Key to the World card, and they would just just walk in and out whenever they felt like going. They didn't need to technically check in. If that makes sense. But the 13 year old, we did set up to be able to check out the nine and five year old out of Oceaneers. Oh, that's nice. That's a big responsibility. Um, we also had a ton of fun with the family games. We did, I don't know, I mean, we were really trying to cram in a lot in our, <laughs> in our little bit of time. So we did the Mouseketeer Madness one. We did um, the Disney Tunes trivia. Yep. 
We did a couple games of bingo. Disney trivia, just the base, regular Disney trivia. And then we did, I can't remember what it's called, but basically the, uh, like, how well do you know your family one? It's like match your mate, but the family version. We did that. And we got chosen for basically everything that there was. And we won more. a couple prizes too. So that was fun. Yeah. The, <laughs> the five-year-old, the five-year-old won the Mouseketeer Madness. And it was on the magic. So she kept wearing her little winner medallion. I mean, like all around Disney World, she wore it for days straight and would tell everybody, oh, I'm a Mouseketeer. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys get to do any of the adult only kind of activities. Obviously, you've got four kids, but you do have a 13-year-old. So 13-year-old did pitch in when you had Remy and Paulo. Um, but did you get to kind of stay up late and do any of the adult, uh, you know, adult bar activities, I'll say? We didn't, know, but we did get to do the Rainforest Room multiple times on the dream. So that yeah. was something that we <laughs> took from you and definitely applied that to the cruise. <laughs> that was my big uh, thing I wanted to do there. So we, the first one, it was so fun, but trying to get everything in, I, I think, I mean, three, three nights on both was a blast and we got to do so many things and see so much, but we never really got to the point of relaxing. <laughs> That's it's not enough days to be able to also then just relax and sit around really. So that was a little bit our goal after the first one on the, for the dream. Then we said, Hey, all right, we need to make sure that we do this. So yeah, we both, we went to the rainforest room together a couple times and then also, um, we'd trade off while one of us was at the pool with the kids. The other person would be, you know, just, just step aside and go relax for a little bit. So on the cruising side of things, I guess I just also wanted to, so you, you got off, drove from Miami to the parks. And I know you also, you spent some time in Tampa with family there at some point. I'm just curious. How long of a drive is that just for folks out there who are thinking about doing this? It was about a three and a half hour drive. It was fairly easy and straightforward. It's tolls. So what we actually do since we travel to the parks a lot is we bought a toll pass. It's a UNI, UNI toll pass. And we just put that in the windshield of whatever rental car we have. And we can just zoom on by the tolls. But it's about a three and a half hour drive. We've used the toll pass like rental thing that you can get at the MCO airport where you can just reserve a, a sun pass or whatever it is and then return it when you get back. But is the uni pass something that you can take from state to state? It, so this actually works in many states and it is partnered with all of their toll agencies. And for frequent travelers, this is what is usually suggested. I used to just allow it to be charged to my rental car and go through those logistics. But this is much more reasonable than the surcharges that they provide. It's 19 states. It's mostly East Coast. And I bought mine on Amazon for $15. And then I actually registered with the ePass application through Florida, and I just have it preloaded with $10 uh, every time that it needs to get refilled. That is very smart. Well, Sam, I think we've probably reached that point in the show. We could keep talking all day about this fabulous trip and their experiences, but I think we've reached that point in the show where I need to throw it over to you for rapid fire. So do you want to take it over for rapid fire, Sam? Absolutely. So Adrian and Emily, welcome to Rapid Fire. The only rules of Rapid Fire are, well, sometimes there are rules that I like to make up on the spot, but generally speaking, there aren't any rules. So, but we're going to start with your general Disney favorites. Adrian, who is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? I am wearing her shirt right now, Ursula. <laughs> oh, I love it. Emily, who is yours? Belle. <laughs> I got to go from like a villain to a princess. I love it. I know. It's <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. All right, Emily, your favorite Disney or Pixar movie? Probably Coco. 
Ooh, that's a good one. Adrian, what about you? Monsters, Inc. I got to see that at the Pantages um, when it opened, and that was a really neat experience. Oh, awesome. All right. Favorite Disney song, Adrian? Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> I was guessing you were going to say Poor Unfortunate Souls, but... That... <laughs> Close. I, I do love that song. <laughs> it, it, it is a great one. That's I, that To me, that's the reason for loving Ursula, so... All right, Emily, what's your favorite Disney song? Maybe the Tiki Room or Main Street Electrical Parade. Oh, Mine no, are I definitely change my answer. Uh, <laughs> what, would <you> <laughs> what would you change to? The Main Street Electrical yeah, Parade music. We, we both love that. All right, we're going to move over to Disney Cruise Line. Favorite sh- stage show on the cruise line. Let's limit it to what you saw on these on these two cruises. Emily, we'll start with you. The Tangled Show. I loved that. I have to agree with it. All right. There you go. Unanimous. All right. Favorite activity on board. Adrian, we'll start with you. Is the rainforest room an activity? Because if so, I'll say that. <laughs> 100% that's an activity. Emily, your favorite activity on board. I am tempted to say the rainforest room since I'm now dreaming of somehow recreating it at home. I know it won't happen. I'm just having a fantasy, but it's okay. I also, the family games, I really enjoyed those. I got to do the, I, can, I wish I can remember what it was called, the match you made equivalent with my daughter. Um, and that was, that was really fun. I enjoyed that. All right. Favorite rotational dining. I know a couple of them are kind of the same, but not completely the same. Uh, so between the six main dining restaurants you got to go to. Which one is your favorite? Oh gosh. Um, we actually enjoyed Enchanted Garden. I think I was like, in terms of the best item we had, I would probably say at Enchanted Garden. I don't know. They're also themed so well. I, again, I loved Rapunzel too. So that one, so that would be in terms of the theme, I would say that the Rapunzel on the magic for food, I would actually probably say Enchanted Garden on the dream. Interesting. All right, Adrian, what about you? Enchanted Garden as well. There was a fish served with risotto that was fantastic. Is that the sea bass? Yes, it was the sea bass with risotto. It was lovely. Yeah, it's a, that is a, an excellent dish. All right. This is where I'm going to give you some versus questions. You did Remy and you did Paolo. Which one is better? Adrian. There's so many things that play into this. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It, it's hard, right? I'll do something controversial and I'll actually say Paolo because we had a great server at Paolo. His name was Marco. Uh, and, and we were able to really spend time with him and talk to him and get to know him. And that really elevated the experience. At Remy, we had a later seating. I think we actually ended up being the last people in the restaurant by the time it was all done. It's just a lot more formal. It's like a Victoria and Albert's kind of experience if you've ever been there. So while the food was fantastic in Remy, I think for the overall experience, I would pick Paulo for dinner. Wow. All right, Emily. I would actually agree. And that was kind of what I was going to say. And we had talked about this while we were there. I mean, I, I, Overall, I, I think anybody who's experienced a Disney cruise, the crew is incredible. We just really loved our server at Palo, and we had commented afterwards. Clearly, we enjoyed the food and all of that, but I think he kind of made that experience for us. He was so fun. We got to chat with him and learn about just, yeah, I think that kind of made our experience at Palo. If you're going to be on the magic in Europe and this summer and you're going to Palo, ask for Marco. All right. Okay. We're going to ask for Marco. I love it. Okay, Aqua Duck versus Aqua Dunk. Adrian. Aqua Dunk by far. Aqua Duck, those sprays of cold water on the back. Every time it hit me, I think I screamed. <laughs> Emily, Aqua Duck versus Aqua Dunk. Duck. I, like I said, was a little scared on the Aqua Dunk where I thought the Aqua Duck was a blast. I loved it. All right. Now, overall, magic versus the dream. 
Which one did you like better? And this can be based on whatever criteria you deem appropriate. So Emily, we'll start with you. Oh, man. Um, I might say the magic. I don't know, but I don't really have any way to quantify it exactly. But um, I will say just to toss in, I know it's adding another person, but our daughter obviously loved the dream because we can tell whenever she's really inspired by something, as soon as we got home, she's 11, the 11 year old, um, and has already built herself one and a half foot tall and probably two foot long model of the dream out of Lego. <laughs> and uh, with decks, it actually swings open on the sides so that you can see so that you can see the uh, different levels. Yes, yeah, so you can see the cross section. She has cabanas in there. She built herself an aqueduct. You need to send us some pictures. I, we need to see I this. She, she, I mean, she even made the floats. She has people who are mid ride on the duck. She, the aqueduct. She's yeah. Anyway, th- I, I can just tell when she's really loving something because she's like itching. As soon as we got home, she's like, "Can I go build?" All right, Adrian. Which ship? Is it the magic for you or the dream? For me, it's the magic. There are a few reasons. I like the staterooms better in the magic. We had essentially the same kinds of staterooms. I thought that the finishes were a little more thoughtful in the magic. There were more AC outlets. The bathroom had a couple additional little shelves in the corner to store things. Um, There was an additional set of drawers in the magic. I really like the aqua dunk. I never felt like I was lost on the magic. And even until the last day, I didn't know which was for and which was aft on the dream. Well, there you have it, folks. The kids like the dream. The parents like the magic. Uh, Classic versus new. (laughs) I'm so surprised to hear that the magic comes out ahead on stateroom design just because it's the oldest ship in the fleet. And yeah. And and I'll give you pro, pro tip on the dream. Just stare down at the carpet because the arrows point toward the front of the ship. The stars point to the front of the ship. Yeah. (laughs) And we did realize that at a certain point in time, but then figuring out port and starboard, I never felt like I had that question on the magic. And almost every time I exited the elevators on the dream, I wasn't sure which way to turn. All right. My final question for rapid fire is bucket list cruise. This is a fantasy cruise. When I say fantasy, I don't mean on the fantasy. I mean, that is, it is a fantasy, meaning it doesn't even have to exist. Uh, It could be someplace that Disney does not currently sail, has never sailed, but you would like to go there on a Disney cruise. Adrian? I think I would pick Southern Mediterranean. Ooh, yeah. All right. Emily? I would do, I don't even know if this is feasible because of how far spread things are, but if there were a cruise that could go to Pacific, like South Pacific, like a stop in Tahiti and a stop in Fiji, like that would be amazing. All right. I'm, I'm there with you. All right. Well, what an amazing time. Sounds like a really fun vacation. I'm glad that they were able to accommodate families' different allergies and that you still had great dining experiences. It was so cool to hear about Paolo and Remy. Actually, from that perspective, I don't think we've ever talked to folks who've done that experience before. So just thank you for coming on and sharing this fabulous vacation. If you sail with Disney again, we want to hear more. But for now, thanks for coming on and we really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. We really enjoyed it. And your podcast has been really helpful for us figuring out how to plan all of this insanity. Oh, yay. Even though it's three of us and six of you, I guess you just double. Whatever we do, you just double. There you go. (laughs) 
really hope you enjoyed hearing about this unique double cruise sailing, one from Miami, one from Port Canaveral with a little bit of Park Syme in between. I think that that is a fascinating trip. I'm glad that we could have Adrian and Emily on to talk about it. Do you have some bonus content coming out from Adrian and Emily about their park stay? And for our Patreons, you can head over to the Patreon channel to uh, hear a little bit more from them as well. With that, I do have another five-star review to read on the air this week. This one comes from XOXO Heather, who writes, best podcast on Disney cruising, and for that matter, all things Disney. Brian and Sam are the absolute best. Their stories about their cruise adventures are honest and helpful. Their most recent episodes about catching COVID-19 while on board were so informative. Well, thank you, Heather. We do it all for the fans. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Sam and I joke that her next experience is going to be either the brig or going overboard. And uh, no, I'm, we hope neither one of those things happens. But Heather, thank you for that review. We really appreciate it. We love connecting with our listeners. So with that, I do just want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. We love reading them on the air each week and connecting with our listeners. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, you can email us at dclduo at gmail.com or better yet, call us at 402-413-5590 and leave us a voicemail that we can play in our show. That's 402-413-5590. You can also connect with us on social media at DCL Duo or browse over to our website, dclduo.com, to connect with us in so many different ways, including our store for good, where all proceeds are donated to charity. If you'd like to help support the show, you can browse to patreon.com slash dclduo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for helping to support this show each and every month. And if you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can always browse to youtube.com slash dclduo to watch some of our vlog episodes over there. We are are hoping to continue pushing more content over to video, and so stay tuned for more there. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.